Hi, hello, bonjour, and namaste. This is Out of the Clouds, a podcast at the crossroads between business and mindfulness. And I am your host, Anne Mulitala. Today, my guest is Gemma Colau. Gemma is the co-founder and the creative director of Oto CBD. Before creating this brand, Gemma had a successful career in fashion. She tells me all about how she explored her creativity and her fashion sense thanks to her wonderful and eclectic grandmother, how she ended up studying at St. Charles at Martins, and how knitwear became her choice as a designer. We then talk about her evolution in the fashion industry and how anxiety and burnout took its toll on her life. Gemma is also very transparent about how much she needed to find CBD when she did and how much of a relief she experienced in her life when she was able to regain sleep. I'm sure that a lot of you listening are going to find a sense of connection to this topic. Gemma has a co-founder, her husband, and the two of them, after they came back to the UK, decided to create their own brand. And Otto is really unlike any other CBD brand out there. And she will tell us all about it, how it came to be, and all of the wonderful projects that she's got for it. We also talk about, of course, management of anxiety. We talk about creativity, the importance of journaling, something that she's been doing for a really long time. And we talk about what keeps us grounded, what keeps us balanced in order to live our fullest lives. It's something that Gemma is constantly reassessing as a mum of two. I hope that you will enjoy our exploration because I know very little about CBD, so I asked a lot of questions and that you're going to enjoy my conversation with Gemma as much as I did. Happy listening. Gemma, so lovely to see you again. Welcome to Out of the Clouds. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I remember we spoke... When was this now? Two months ago, I want to say. Yeah, it's going on two months, I think. And uh, yeah, couldn't stop asking you questions. So I was very much looking forward to today's podcast interview. Now, thank you. You're welcome. Now, as you may have understood from earlier episodes, the way I like to start for someone to introduce themselves to our audience is for them to tell us the story of their lives. And I like to talk about who we are before we talk about what we do. Because I think that we sometimes forget that who we are is really essential. But I know it's also a big ask. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really interesting question. And actually, when you said that, it really made me think, yeah, you're so right. We forget to think back as to who we actually are and why we're even doing all these things we're doing. So it's very important. I agree. So with that said... Gemma, would you tell us who you are and tell us your story? Sure. So I start from the beginning. I was born in London, in Blackheath, which is in southeast London. And just before I went to secondary school, my parents decided to move us to the countryside. I think they were a little bit nervous about us going to school in London at that point in time and wanted to be a little bit more free and have a little bit more safety in the countryside. 
which I thought was a terrible idea because I was definitely a city girl at heart and loved London. But we moved to the countryside and I have a younger sister. So I have a partner in crime, my sister Anna. And we, yeah, I went to school in a totally normal secondary school. I love the fact that, so you had a partner in crime. What kind of crimes did you get up to? (laughs) (laughs) So many crimes. At one point, my parents decided that they wanted to move to a very traditional country house. So we actually had a thatched cottage, which was on the round, so had garden all the way around us. And we could actually climb out of my bedroom window onto Uh. the in-betweens of the thatched roof and sit on the roof and have snacks up there. So that was probably something that I would think my parents would not like to know about. So that's... Cute though. (laughs) Nice little nook for you. I guess that a lot of my younger years were marked by by being diagnosed as dyslexic when I was at school. And one of the reasons that I lent into my creativity and my artistic and design side was because words and language was much harder for me. I think it was also partly where my determination came from because I was determined that I would be good at these things and I would be able to do these things. And I did have to work a lot harder, but I was very determined and I did work harder. And I was very lucky in that my parents were very supportive and my mum was very creative. My grandmother was an artist in the time when being an artist was not really okay for a woman that age. So she really fought to do her art and have her creativity. And she was very inspiring to me. So from a very young age, I was encouraged to be creative. And I knew that I wanted to be a fashion designer for a very young age. How did that... I was going to say thread. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I mean, that came nicely. (laughs) Um, But how did that emerge? from you? It's a really interesting one. But from from a very young age, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And if you said why, I literally wouldn't have known. I was very interested in what people wore, why they wore it, what that expression was for them and what that meant to them and how it could be so different and inspiring and interesting. And it was just this magical world that seemed so exciting to me as a child. So I was determined to be in fashion. Uh, Maybe let me rephrase the question because you say that you knew from a young age, but how young were you? Because I, I don't think that I personally became aware of fashion until I was in 17, 18 years old because my father was a doctor, a gynecologist. So he only had women's magazine in his waiting room wow, and he would yeah. bring them back a week late. And so I would get L. We didn't get Vogue. We got another couple of French titles. And at the time, I don't feel like there was that, that either there weren't that many profiles on designers or I wasn't interested and I wasn't reading them. But I just don't feel like this was something that was visible to me. So how did these designers permeate your young mind? How did you come across them? 
Yeah, I think for me, it started through art. So I guess going to galleries and exhibitions and artists and then seeing people creating things was, I guess, what made me interested in design and then moved it from perhaps art and creativity to fashion. My grandmother was also a crazy dresser. She mostly only ever wore purple. And yeah, really interesting. She loved fabrics from different countries and she was very interested in Indian prints and different designs. I guess you could say she was quite the hippie, but in a really interesting way. Her generation, she made a lot of her clothes and she had a lot of these incredible dinner parties and had made a lot of really interesting outfits for those dinner parties. And those photos, those incredible black and white photos, so glamorous and so fabulous. And I just felt that they really depicted a style and gave her a voice in a way in a very sort of male dominated world at that point in time. Oh my God, that's amazing. Her style gave her a voice. Mm. I really felt like it it did. It really set her apart from, I guess, the other housewives of the time. And it really showed this creative side of her and gave her a way to express herself. And I think that was something for me from a very early age that was really interesting. And then as I went through school and I was lucky enough to do art and design as well as design and technology, It was probably later on when I was looking to do my A-levels and then go on to do my foundation in art and design that fashion became probably the more clear focus for me, like you say, with certain designers like Vivian Westwood and Alexander McQueen and all of these absolute icons. I immediately decided I had to go to Central St. Martins and that Uh was the focus. Of course. So for anyone out there listening to us who doesn't know what Central St. Martin stands for, could you please give them a little preview? Yes, I believe it's actually called the London College of Art and Design now because, yes, because I'm so old. But Central St. Martin's is and was an absolute icon. It is literally the best place in the world to study fashion design and the legends have walked the corridors, basically. Yeah. Oh, how awesome. Yeah, it was a really interesting place to to study. A lot of pressure, but also very inspiring. Actually, which bit did you specialize in? Because I know there's a variety of courses in there. Yes, I did a four-year degree and I specialized in women's wear, knitwear specifically, Mm. or sweaters as Americans would like to call it. <laughs> now, I have a personal obsession with knitwear, so you don't need to sell it to me, but I'd love to know why you chose that. I love that. Me too. For me, it all went down to actually making the fabric. So I think it wasn't enough for me to think about the shape and the look. It was also about the feel and how that fabric came together. So I couldn't really distinguish the design from the fabric and the design from the making. And that's why knitwear has always been such an obsession of of mine. Yeah, I bizarrely enough, when I did my foundation, which was just in art and design, 
I specialised in fashion. You got to do like a whole course of just fashion because I did my foundation at St. Martin's as well. And my tutor at the time, she was helping me with some work in my portfolio. And she said to me, oh, I think you're a knitwear designer. I 100% think you're a knitwear designer. Look at how interested you are in texture and feel. You're a knitwear designer. And I remember thinking no way that's so granny's like knitting sweaters and there's no way that's me and she said to me let me bring some stuff in and show you and she brought in a collection that she designed and made which was all underwear and it was amazing and it was so beautiful and I remember thinking at the time wow this is super interesting and at that point I started knitting with wire and making like structured corsets and thinking about how you could, the 3D element of design is just incredible. So yeah, that's how it Mm. became knitwear for me. I get that. (laughs) (laughs) Something about knitwear that is just magical. Sure. (laughs) I just have a small problem because I like quality fabrics. So do moth. And so I have an ongoing war with uh, moths in my cupboard. That's right. That's nature (laughs) for you, right? (laughs) It is what it is. So what was your first job when you finished? So my first role was actually at DKNY in New York. So I did a four-year degree with an internship working in New York and I fell in love with New York and with the United States. So I did a year working there in knitwear, which was incredible. And then I came back and worked at Clements Ribeiro in London which was also incredible. And that was more on the cutting room floor. So that was totally different from what else I'd been doing before. Yeah, when I saw the name Clemens Ribeiro, I wondered if we actually ended up talking to each other around that time because I was a sales assistant and I was assisting the PR at Christian Louis. Oh, definitely. In the basement. And the words Gemma from Clemens Ribeiro sound incredibly familiar. Yeah. Really hilarious. That's hilarious. (laughs) We were based on South Walton Street at that time and we had all sorts of things go on there. We were at one point we were using fur, which obviously is very controversial in the collections. And I remember people coming and throwing paint on people as they entered the building. We had to run in and like dive and duck and oh dear. Yeah. It was a time. (laughs) It was a time. And so I know that you then uh, developed your portfolio and worked in fashion, but tell us about how you went from London to the US and what you did next. Yeah, so I worked in fashion for yeah quite a long time, over 10 years, all levels really. I also worked in Germany at Esprit and M&S in the UK and all over. So I actually came to the US because my husband actually got a job in San Francisco. It was a bizarre thing because he came home from work one day, he was working at Naked Wines and he said, oh, we're opening offices in the US and they're going to be in Napa and San Francisco and there might be opportunities to go there. And I said, yes, we have to go there. We definitely have to go there. That's absolutely the right thing to do. And Mm. it's quite funny because he's like the impulsive, crazy, fun one. And I'm the sensible, like down to a measured one. So I think he was really shocked at this sudden vision that we should be in San Francisco. But I absolutely knew we should be in San Francisco. I had visited San Francisco myself 
when I was at a spree because we did a whole project to bring a spree back to its roots, which did start in California, in San Francisco. And I loved San Francisco, the vibe of the place and the people and just being close to everything, the water, the forests, wine country, fabulous. And that's how we got back to San Francisco. Yeah. And so what kind of job did you do when you were there? So initially, I didn't want to work in fashion because I'd worked in fashion for so many years and I felt like it was time for a bit of a change. But like all of these things go, you end up talking to somebody and then somebody else and then they say, okay, you've, oh, you've got to meet my friend who's in fashion. And I fast forward three, four months, I ended up working in fashion for Sears, which wow. had just, yeah, a total change from where I'd been at. A totally different level of fashion, but interesting and slightly stressful, I guess, is probably the truth of the matter. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. And that was where I found CBD in California. So I was working for Sears and I was totally stressed out. Of course, it only took months to get back into starting to feeling stress and anxiety, which is something I'd always suffered with. And I came into work one day and said, oh, I'm not sleeping. I'm really stressed out. And a friend said to me, you have to try CBD. So I I think my initial reaction was, what the hell is CBD? Bearing in mind, this is going back quite a few years now, and I literally never heard those three syllables. I was thinking like, CBN, CBD, CB something? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think she said to me, it's from the cannabis plant. And my initial reaction was, oh my God, no, I can't have that. I've never done drugs at all. I'm like ridiculously straight laced when it comes to these things. I can't do that. And she said to me, you've got it all wrong. It's this natural ingredient that's been used for years. You really should research it. You really should try it. It's incredible. And I think I went home that night and said to my husband, have you heard of this CBD? What is this? And I guess between us, we would consider ourselves like fairly well-traveled, fairly educated people. And yet we had literally no idea what this was. So we started researching. I found out, obviously, it was completely safe, approved by the World Health Organization. And I literally couldn't believe that I'd never heard of it before. No one had ever said to try it before. So I tried it. And yes, it was incredibly life-changing for me. I started sleeping better. I was doing the classic, waking up at three in the morning, mind spinning, starting to think about work, starting to think about what I needed to do, running through scenarios in my head, and then I couldn't get back to sleep. And that all stopped. And I think when you are sleeping better, you generally feel better. Everything is better when you sleep better. So it really helped and it helped with that low level anxiety and just that feeling that you can manage things easier. It's hard to explain. It's almost like the absence of something rather than the presence of something, if that makes sense, was life-changing. Yeah, when you're describing the 3 a.m. waking up and thinking about work and what you need to do, I only had a very short period of time where I suffered from anxiety. The low-level stress, I had it for years. Yeah. So I really resonate with your experience there. 
And thankfully, I think that only for three or four weeks did I have that kind of level of anxiety, but I couldn't function. I'd go to bed at 11 or midnight and I'd wake up at 2.30 or 3 in the morning and you can't live on three hours a No. Because your brain doesn't function. Yeah. And I now have a, I have a pact with myself. If I sleep less than eight hours a night, I'm not allowed to make big decisions. (laughs) If it's less than seven and a half or it just, because your brain is just not functioning properly. That's right. But I'm assuming that one of the reasons why you were suffering from anxiety was the work. So once you slept better, what happened? So for me, it made everything a little bit more manageable. I was able to step back and see it with a little bit more clarity. I think when you're in these situations and you you think it's really stressful, but it's not rocket science, right? You're not, I wasn't saving lives. I was designing clothes. It's But at the time, it means so much to you and it has to be right. And all of those pressures from outside sources really build up and you doubt yourself. And I think you, I was going down this kind of route of imposter syndrome where I felt like I didn't know what I was doing or I couldn't do it somehow. And those beliefs and that kind of negative self-talk had become the that basically was ruling me. It was, that was what was ruling my life. And that was what was guiding me. And even when I did well, and even when it went well, I couldn't enjoy it or find it joyful because it was never good enough. It was always on to the next thing. So even though I would consider it low level anxiety, it really does rule your life when it comes into every Mm -hmm. aspect. And I think that when that's lifted and when you do just feel that little bit clearer, and then like you said, when you can sleep and you actually can function and your brain can make a decision without you questioning every reason as to why the hell you would be making this decision because you've had no sleep and you can't think properly, you it gives you a little bit of a new lease on life because actually it takes a little bit of that pressure off and you think, oh, that was good enough and that is okay. And oh God, I can't do that. And I have got all this experience. And why did I worry about that? Or why did I let that person upset me or speak to me like that? So for me, it was very life-changing. So did you stay in the job? I did stay in the job. I stayed in the job. I found it much less stressful. I enjoyed it a lot more. And at the same time, I realized I had a newfound passion and interest in CBD. (laughs) And I started researching CBD and I started looking into it. I started becoming this pusher of CBD. My my family started calling me like a a drug dealer, basically, because I was like, guys, got to try the CBD. It's got to happen. It's going to, it's going to change your life too. And I've learned loads about it. It was so interesting. I realized that it had incredible skincare benefits. I had always suffered from horrific hormonal acne. And I actually managed to solve and cure my own hormonal acne from using CBD as well. So it was a really interesting time. My husband, James, he works in the wine industry, I think I mentioned, and he has a very stressful job. And he found CBD incredibly useful for sleep and also for focus and productivity. So he became obsessed as well. And he decided with some of his friends in California at the time to start an online 
cannabis company for recreational use. And the idea behind the company was really for people who weren't into cannabis or CBD or CBG or CBN to just be able to find simple need-based solutions that weren't caught up in any of the tropes of cannabis and strains and strengths and could just help you sleep or help you relax or maybe something Friday night fun as well. And that was really interesting. So I started helping them put together these curated boxes and thinking about what brand. This was a time when it was the Wild West in in cannabis in California. There wasn't that many brands there yet. They were just coming up. And I started talking to some of these brands and working out what interesting products they might be producing. And it was a really interesting time. Yeah. And I really loved doing that. It was really lovely. Mm, That's awesome. Now that I know that, I'd like to understand, how did you get the idea to start your (coughs) own brand? So the idea to start Oto came from myself and James coming back to the UK. So we had our first little boy in the US, Leo. So we have a little American. He associates with being American, which is the sweetest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. We recently had to fly to America. And when we got there, he said, oh my God, this is the best day of my life. I'm back (laughs) in the USA. (laughs) which is hilarious. And bearing in mind, I'm English and my husband, James, is Australian. I think both of us are like classic. But when we came, so basically we had our baby and we decided we needed some serious childcare help. So we decided to come back to the UK to be close to my family. And this was a real inflection point for me. Looking back now, I realised I was probably suffering a little bit from having a baby and not knowing what the next stage for me was and thinking about things differently. And I wanted to do something more meaningful and more interesting. And I didn't want to be suffering from stress and anxiety because I was working in fashion and finding it really stressful. I wanted to do something different. And I remember at the time, it was when CBD had just become legal here in the UK. And we're starting to hear people talking about it. It was helping children with epilepsy, with fits. And it was starting to be on the high street. So I was really excited. I was desperate to get my CBD back into my system. And I toddled on down to the high street, went to buy some CBD. And I was just super shocked and disappointed. All of the brands were ultimately disgusting. They tasted disgusting. They looked disgusting. They were all caught up in the tropes of cannabis and gave the wrong messaging about CBD as though it would get you high. Loads of green cannabis leaves, nothing inspirational or beautiful or nice to use. And actually, most most upsettingly, nothing that actually had enough CBD in it to really work. The doses were very low and they wouldn't have worked. And it was just such a shock to to see this. Mm. And that for me was the kind of light bulb moment where I thought there is a huge opportunity here, not just to create something incredibly special and different, but also to create something that could really help people in the way that CBD had helped me myself. So I hear you. (laughs) And I'm not surprised. (laughs) I guess that what I'd love to hear from you 
because I'm sure that many people listening to the podcast won't have any clue as to what does it mean green cannabis leaf and what does it mean right levels. So given that I understand that you're very nerdy about this <laughs> in the best way, could you please tell us about what makes Otto, I want to say good, but the right level, what makes it work? Absolutely. I think from the starter, we were obsessed with making every product work and making sure it absolutely did do what it said. So I'm not a scientist. Now we have scientists in the team. It's very important, but I became obsessed with reading all of the papers and understanding all of the studies that are out there. Now, at this point in time, there was a lot that we could learn about CBD and a lot that we could understand, but I wanted to make it really simple for the consumer. I wanted the brand to have that level of trust that people could know that they take our product and it would work for them. So we really had to do a deep dive program into working out how much CBD an average person would need to have an effect. So we did that through looking at the medical papers, looking at the consumer research that was out there. We did our own trials. Um, we went through a huge process and we determined our own Oto strength, which is a guarantee that our products will have between 30 and 60 milligrams of CBD in them per dose, so per day. So that's what we would recommend. As an adult, we'd love you to have, let's say, 50 milligrams of CBD a day. And this will mean that if you are going to have an effect from CBD, you will be able to have it. It will work for you. And that was super important to us because unfortunately there are so many products out there that don't have enough CBD and then people try it. We get so many people saying to us, I've tried CBD, it didn't work for me. And then you find out that they've taken something that's barely got a, a drop of CBD in it and it's really disappointing. Yeah, that's like you said, it's still the Wild West. It is. Extent. It is. And we live and breathe it every day, but we forget that people don't know. We mostly get asked is CBD safe? Will it get me high? It's 100% safe. It won't get you high. But we still get asked these questions all the time because people, there, there needs to be more education and regulation in this area so that people can really know that what they're taking is safe. So what I thought was interesting out of what you said, and it corresponds to part of your product range, is that I think you've nailed three important areas where you want CBD to be a support for your clients' lives. Sleep. Yes. Focus and relaxation. Is that yeah. right? Okay. Absolutely. So when we first built Oto, we looked at when people might like to use CBD and how it would fit into their lives effectively. And we mapped out a lot of people's days as to how they would spend their day. And we found that there was these kind of, like you said, these three areas, or for us, it's almost like a bell curve of the day where people use CBD or would like to use CBD. And those areas start in the morning and it's generally a morning or a focus moment. This can be like when you need something to help you get out of bed, you need something to help you get on the tube here if you're here in London, or get you to work, or that moment where you're focusing in on really doing something that's important to you. And that that's our focus moment. 
Um, and then we have an amplify moment, which is a little bit more of this moment of being present. It's often an afternoon moment. It can be like a low moment where you might reach for a coffee or it might be a moment where you go out for a drink with a friend and you really want to be present in that moment. Maybe it's a concert that you want to experience. That's our amplify moment. And then the balance moment, like you said, is that kind of coming down to relaxation, that calm and ultimately sleep to really be able to regenerate your body, to be able to go back round to that morning moment. So at Oto, we build all of our products around those three areas. So obviously we start from the optimum amount of CBD, the Oto strength, and we get that into the product. And then on top of that, we put other ingredients that can make the CBD a more effective or work alongside it to bring a desired effect. I always say you could probably take the CBD out of our products and they'd still be incredible products because we're just obsessed with all of the other ingredients that go in for sure. And yeah, so then we start from that and then we think about how, at what point in the day you'd use that and how that product would fit in really beautifully to that moment of the day and how you can make it simple and really beautiful experience for yourself. I think for me, when I was going about Oto, it was so important that the products were really design-led and really beautiful experiences so that they became aspirational, so that people would really trust that we sell in places like Harrods and Selfridges and Liberties here in London. And having that aspirational element builds trust and builds reassurance for our consumer that they've got enough CBD in and that they're going to be products that they would like to use. For me, people falling in love with our products is the most important thing because if you love something and you enjoy using it, then you will use it more often and you will use it every day. And CBD is something that is naturally occurring in our body and ultimately needs to build up and stay regulated. So you do need to take it every day. And the best way to do that is to put it into products that you love using every day. So you don't even have to think about it. So you're not really prescribing to yourself. You're just using it every day and loving it. That's so interesting. I wanted you to speak about the luxury piece because it's true that the products are beautifully thought out, designed, the packaging is substantial. It feels weighty in a... Yeah. Yeah, substantial, I guess (laughs) was the right (laughs) word. (laughs) And luxury and CBD were just not two words I would ever put together personally. I understand that you come from fashion, but where did that idea stem from? Was it from the customer research or something else? I think that the main reason for the luxury positioning is because we wanted to make the products extraordinary. We wanted to put significant quantities of CBD in. We wanted to not be limited with the kind of ingredients that we could add in on top of that. They needed to be the best possible quality that they could be. And of course, there is ultimately a price point that goes with that. So that kind of higher end luxury positioning meant that we could afford to put all of those incredible things in the products. But it also created a slightly more 
aspirational brand. And I think when you're talking about making a market, because even though obviously CBD is very flooded in the US, at the time, it really wasn't here in the UK. And we really wanted to be thought leaders in the space and show people how to do it better. And the luxury positioning gave us that kind of that thought leadership because it in a way it was a bit of a race to the bottom here in the UK. What you were mostly seeing was very cheap mass products that, like I said, ultimately didn't really have enough CBD in and weren't particularly effective. And it seemed to be about how cheap it was only rather than why you would want that product. Sure. So I think that was the most important part for me. And I think the only other part is that because the trust and the reassurance piece was so important within CBD, being able to work with retailers, like I said, like Harrods and Selfridges and Mandarin Oriental Spa, those kind of people, they wanted that they wanted a brand that they really believed in and that was really trustworthy and that fitted in with their stores and their consumer. Something that that I could buy my mum as a present and would be just as beautiful as anything else that I would normally buy her for a present, but is something meaningful that can actually help her. Very interesting. Thank you. Now, can you tell us what Oto stands for? Yes. So Oto is actually a Japanese word, and it's one of those incredible Japanese words that has a really interesting meaning. It actually means the space between sound and silence and this kind of juxtapose between sound and silence. And I just thought it was one of the most beautiful words I'd ever seen. It obviously has this lovely balancing effect because it's the same forwards and backwards. Um, And as CBD does balance the body and as Oto is a wellness brand, we're really trying to bring back to balance. As soon as I saw the word, before I even knew the meaning, I loved it. I also visually saw these two O's and just the circle element of the O's and that kind of continuous circle of, I guess, wellness or life was, it was very visually impactful for me. And as a brand, sound has always been something that's super, super important to us. And our brand positioning is that we exist to help people amplify the silence and find their space. So the world is very noisy. It's more and more hectic every day. And we are really trying to cut through that noise to help people find their space. So poetic. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope so. Oh, yes. (laughs) I recently attended TED in Vancouver and I saw an incredible talk by a scientist called Karen Backer. And she studies... Um, other species communication methods. And she showed us that silence is actually an illusion because the human ear can only perceive certain types of vibration. That is so so interesting. We heard some really (laughs) interesting things that technically for the human ears appear to be silence, but other species are communicating, you know, it's, in the background. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's a state of mind, right? And it's mm. what one person's sound, what's one, what sounds amazing for one person is can be horrible for somebody else. And it's yeah. very personal, but that's so interesting. I have to look that up. 
<laughs> so you're a brand that's backed by science. And I must say, as some of my listeners know, I continue to study. I've um, on the side of my job as a consultant, I'm also a coach and a mindfulness teacher. And I am on my fourth year studying mindfulness Wow, with some very interesting teachers, most of them who are Buddhist scholars in their own right, but also MDs, researchers, etc. And one of the things that came up for me in mindfulness is that I realized that we're very science obsessed in the West. But I also understand that for some people who don't know why they need what they need, science is also what's going to speak to our narrative prefrontal cortex mind. So tell me, how did you become attracted to this sense of being backed by science? I think it's it's exactly what you said. We've used nature in our cultures and many cultures for centuries. And we know, we do know that that natural ingredients and plants and other elements are incredibly powerful. But because of this world that we live in now, we are a little bit disconnected with our kind of roots and what we used to know and what we use, all these lovely formulas that our mum and mum's mum and everyone gave us to help us with things. I think we we crave the science because we all crave knowledge and we all crave wanting to get it right. And we don't have much time anymore to play around with different ways. I worked in China a lot when I was in fashion, obviously, I was over there all the time. And it was a massive interest for me that when people got sick, they would decide whether they were going to go to the Eastern or the Western medicine side. And I think what is really interesting about Oto is the balance between the two. What we are ultimately doing at Oto is taking ingredients, CBD and other really powerful natural ingredients that people have used for centuries to help with things. And we're now able to understand the science behind them and be able to see the clinical trials and actually be able to prove that they work and really understand why they work. Because I think we often know that they work, but we don't know why. And with science becoming more and more advanced within CBD, the knowledge of the endocannabinoid system, this understanding that we have cannabinoids in our own bodies that mimic that of the cannabis plant, that even that in its own right makes it so much easier for us to understand why this natural ingredient would work with our body so well and react with it. But needless to say, the clinical trials prove it anyway. So it's about how much information we want to know. And I think as consumers now, we do want to know both. We're not just happy with someone saying, oh, this is something great. It really works. We want to understand why it works, how it works. And then if other people have found it helpful as well. Yeah. Now I have a question. What of cannabis and pregnant women? Because I am about to start an IVF treatment. Am I allowed to? <laughs> Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. So obviously CBD is very different from THC or the other cannabinoids that are in the cannabis sativa plant. CBD is totally harmless. It's not going to make you high. 
However, I think when we cannot recommend it to people who are pregnant in the same way that we can't really recommend anything to people who are pregnant because it would be very unethical to test these things on people who are pregnant. So I'm not a doctor, but if you are pregnant or about to go through treatment or have any, my sister has been through breast cancer at one point in her journey, she had to stop taking CBD ingestibly because she was taking another drug that used the same receptor. So it wasn't that CBD was dangerous. It wasn't that it was going to do her any harm. But if that blogged up that receptor and then her drug didn't work, that would not be a good thing for any of us. So understanding how it works with the receptors in your body and understanding how some medications, it's very rare, but there are some, might interact with it. Everyone is different. It's best to consult your doctor and understand how that might affect you and weighing up the involved, really. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, You're I, welcome. I, so I tried some of your product in the last Yay. couple of weeks. <laughs> But the only problem is, A, I was coming back from Vancouver and I was very jet lagged because nine hours is quite something. B, yeah, I am, that's a lot. I'm, I'm taking a hormones treatment. So my sleep is just very rocky and so challenging, very challenging. My normal sleep pattern is I sleep a lot. <laughs> Heavy sleeper. But I did find that I really enjoyed the focus, the one that you talked about for the day. Yes. And I really like the roll-on. So a few yes. years ago, I really enjoy Ayurveda and there's an amazing Ayurvedic clinic in New York that I used to regularly go to. And they have this amazing anti-stress drops that I would just bathe myself in because I love the scent of it. Fantastic. If I could. And so I got used to just putting a drop of essential oil on my wrists. And I want to say that sometimes nervousness and excitement can feel very similar. Yeah. Because technically within the body, it has the same root. It's the same activation of your nervous system. Yes. And I noticed that I was very settled and very smooth after using these two in combination during That's the day. That's fantastic. And I would say I would hate to I would hate to have to let that go. <laughs> <laughs> no. So it I would also felt really say lovely. Yeah. I would say that also through the skin, it, there's not going to be any contraindications there. You, mm. I think you'd be fine. And you're right, the smell and that kind of they're very evocative of mood and smell really can take you to a different place and yeah. help. But so tell me, what are the other ingredients in the focus one? Because I feel like it, it's got like an orangey yes. taste to it, which is my favorite thing. Yes, there actually it's got vitamin C in it. which helps our focus roll-on has a really beautiful rosemary oil in it which is incredibly good for coming into focus we use all sorts of different incredible other ingredients to get that that feeling across and the smell the taste what it evokes for you is very important as well that's part of the experience that's why i like to think of the products as experiences I'm really glad you tried them. And yeah. Me too. And I started using the the oil for the face as well. Yes. Again, it's hard for me to tell you how much of this 
Your skin looks amazing. My skin looks good, <laughs> but I don't know what part of it is the progesterone I'm on right yes. now. Yeah. So it's it's difficult. It will be easier to tell when there's nothing special going on, but it did feel really good. And I do love, I'm, I have a slightly oily face, but I do love oil. I find yeah. that I'm very happy with that. People are often scared of oil, but it's surprising how much your skin can regulate that and they do really work. Yeah. And you're right, actually. I had some acne coming up and it's completely gone away. Yeah. Adult acne. Damn. It's horrible. It's so painful and aggressive and it just upsets you for everything, for your mood, everything. (laughs) (laughs) So Otto has recently won really big awards, right? So you got the best CBD brand for skincare. Yes. And best CBD brand for sleep. Yes. So... Here's a question that some of our listeners could ask themselves. Why move into beauty? It's a really good question. I think for me, it was really important to bring this very holistic approach to wellness. And for me, that is a lot about how you feel on the inside and how you look on the outside. Like I said, I have terrible problems with the hormonal acne and it's really it's really depressing. You just feel like you look horrible. You can feel it the whole time. It's really oppressive and it makes you feel sad. And I didn't want that. So I think for me, the skincare element was all about this incredibly holistic approach to how we look and feel and our everyday wellness. And I thought we could make some really beautiful and interesting skincare products that really helped people not just to look better, but also to feel better about themselves. So skincare for me was something that was a personal passion, as well as being something that could be really interesting for CBD, the way that CBD balances the skin, the way that it works with the skin. I always say that we forget that the skin is our biggest organ. And it's so important to make sure that we're looking after our skin properly. So it's it was a natural progression for me. It didn't feel odd going from wellness drops or sleep into beauty or skincare because it's a virtual cycle. You sleep better, you've regenerated your skin better, you look better, you feel better, you add creams and oils to help rebalance your skin directly. And then that can also help you feel better. And I think that's the goal, right? We all want to look and feel better, be our best selves without being too corny. I think it's the balance that you speak about. So we'll, yes. we'll always be in a state of flux. Nothing ever stays the same. But it's balance implies this idea of coming back to a center, knowing where that center is. I think that's what's interesting about the relaxation and the focus. It's got an element of grounding. You were talking about, was it your husband as well? You were talking about how you we're considering that the focus or the amplify were moments of presence. And present means grounded, means being here in the moment, not all over the place. Absolutely. I think we we are unbalanced at the moment. Generally, when I speak to people out there and when I think about how we feel, we, we have so much going on in our lives. Let's not even put the whole COVID and lockdown thing in there. Even before we have families and we have friends and we have 
jobs and we have pressure on our careers and what we do. And then we've got to be balanced and find wellness techniques. And it is all very jarring. It's It really is a lot. And I think that people struggle now to find that kind of centering or that grounding, that sense of balance within themselves. And I like to think that our products give people that moment to come back to themselves, feel a bit more present and get a little bit more balance into their lives, even if it's just for that moment. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now, what our listeners don't know is that you've also created a spa program. And so as someone who's worked in luxury design and I touched on beauty as well in my career, I looked into the spa programs and I really spent time to read through what you guys have designed. And then I was thinking, damn, there isn't a spa program near me. It is so unfair. (laughs) Hopefully Uh, soon. Hopefully soon. Because even when I was in Milan this weekend, doing some research before this interview, I thought, oh, let me look just in case. I know we've only just started. It's rolling out though. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I've got the appetite for it. (laughs) Tell me who had this genius idea? (laughs) Tell everyone what it implies. (laughs) So I don't know whether this was a genius idea or just an absolute necessity from having spent, obviously, lockdown, having my second baby and spending the whole time thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to run a business and have a newborn baby and have COVID and keep all of my staff employed and a desperate need from myself to go, I need to go to the spa. Uh, I need a moment. I need that space for myself. And I think that this was where I came up with the idea that we had to go into spa. And as soon as we had the idea, it was perfect. It was genius, right? We needed to give people a moment of space and a moment to be present and have an experience. And the spa provides the perfect backdrop for that experience. And I think that what's been so lovely about designing the spa treatments is that because my background isn't spa, obviously fashion and beauty and wellness, but not spa. So I could really look at spa and say, why is it like that? And how could we make it different? And how could we make it better? And why have the spa industry not yet embraced a more holistic and more trans transformational way of doing these treatments because they've got an opportunity a one-on-one for that with that person to give them this experience and i think like many people you go to the spa because you're tired or you need a bit of regeneration or you just need a bit of time for yourself but normally there's lots of deeper issues going on and we're all battling with all of our own things so this is a real moment for yourself and you really need that moment to count So we decided to design spa treatments and our approach to the treatments was that we wanted this to be the start of your Oto journey. So it was really important to us that it was a transformational 360 full sensory approach to holistic wellness. So within the journey, you you have a sound bath experience that's tailored towards the journey. This was super important to us. We wanted to have a sound element because obviously sound is such a fundamental part of our brand, but also because 
it really grounds you on the bed. And I think that what people don't realize is they go and have a spa treatment and they walk in and they have the treatment and it's lovely and you really enjoy it and you come out and you click back into your daily routine or whatever you're doing. But that's actually because you've probably spent the first 15, 20, half an hour lying on the bed going, oh, damn, I forgot to do that. Oh, did I did I turn my phone off? Oh, oh no, I know I needed to phone that person. Why didn't I do that? And what the sound offers is it really makes you tune in to that moment and it gets you on the bed. And that is the most important, the first step in the journey. So that's really important. We also had so much fun creating these soundtracks. So our head of spa, Helen and I, and our two spa experts went to the recording studio and I'm not even going to lie to her. We set up the treatment bed in the recording studio and we made a completely curated sound experience that fitted the treatment. So the sound is an incredibly important part of it. Side note, if you do have the balance treatment, you have to excuse at one point, there's a whole breathing ritual, which is actually me breathing, (laughs) which is hilarious. I sent two of our spa girls away to learn how to do proper breathing so that they could do it on the track so that we could bring people into the room with the breath. And of course, they found it too hilarious doing the breathing in the recording studio and couldn't stop giggling the whole time. So I had to do the recording, which was hilarious. But yes, that is me on the balance soundtrack. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Yeah, so the sound is a really important element. We also make sure that people get a really good quantity of CBD during the treatment. So it isn't just within the oils that we've curated, but you also get to use the an eye treatment and the roll-ons that you spoke about as well. We do inhalations with the different, all the beautiful different oils so that you really get that feeling of, of calm or presence. Stop it. I wanted that. <laughs> it it's like I'm already on the bed. Clearly, I really need a massage. You really yeah. do. What you're going through is stressful. You need plenty of massages. Get them booked in now. It's okay. It's okay. I'm going away tomorrow. It'll be fine. it was really important to make sure that people had enough CBD and so that when they came away that night they had the best sleep of their life and they really felt like they'd started that journey with it the other thing that was really important to us was to have this kind of connection with the therapist so when we designed the oils, we actually got a lot of the therapists saying to us, oh my God, am I going to overdose on CBD? Is it going to absorb into my hands and that's it? And it's going to be horrendous. And we literally had the conversation with them. This is the best thing you can do to your hands. Most therapists get arthritis. They really struggle with problems in their hands from using them. But the CBD is such a good anti-inflammatory. It was really beneficial for the spa therapists as well. They started off trying to use gloves and I was like, take the gloves off. You you need this in your lives. Like this connection is really important and this is going to benefit you. And in order to emphasize that, we also brought BAM bamboo tools into the treatment. So we handcraft these bamboo tools. Bamboo itself is an incredible natural ingredient, which we just don't use enough. It's it, It warms up with the body. So it has like a geothermal effect, which is really interesting. And 
it, you can use it to create a lot more pressure, which means that the spa therapist can give the level of depth of a sports massage in certain areas, but without hurting them or creating too much pressure for themselves. So it goes back to this kind of very much 360 approach that you're being given a treatment by a trained therapist and that they are not going to hurt themselves in this treatment and that healing comes back to them as well. We also use the bamboo to create movement. So we actually wrap the legs around the bamboo and flex the hip and move it round. So you get a little bit more energy into the treatment, which is really interesting. Yeah, you have to try them. We use we also use crystals. God, there's nothing we don't do. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. <laughs> yeah, but it's fascinating. I'm glad I asked you how this came to be because I now understand that it came from like a deep need that you had. Yes. To find that level of cocooning and regeneration. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that is something that is missing from this kind of clinical beauty, wellness. People talk about spa, but a lot of it is very beauty focused and it's not as holistic focused as it it needs to be, I think, personally. Now, if our listeners think that's all, that's it, you've stopped there. That's not the case because you also went into food and beverage category. Yes. Please tell me, how did you decide to create seltzers and how is that going for you? Yes. So we have three Britannical seltzers and we also have the world's first CBD cocktail bitters, which is one of my personal favorites. So actually... This was to do with the customers. So when we started Oto, we surveyed as many people as we could possibly find and asked them how they would like to experience CBD. And we thought that drinks would come up, but it really did come up. I think it was like 50% of people said that they wanted to first experience CBD through a beverage. And that was something that we listened to. And I for us, it's not about categories. It's other people that have put these categories into place, right? We live our lives and we, I think, have a desire to be more holistic and for things to be more meaningful and are better, be better for us. So for us, having the drinks element was just another way that we could bring holistic wellness into another area of people's lives that they would they wanted to experience that and especially for our amplify presence pillar as humans we love socializing and eating and drinking together and so that was something that we didn't want to miss out on but i think for me one of the most important reasons for this was that i really struggle to drink now that <laughs> I've had the two kids and I've stopped drinking for so long. And I'm of a certain age where the alcohol does not agree with me as much as it used to. Yeah, I found that too. Yeah. It's really annoying. I used to be an okay drinker. Okay. I was never amazing, but I like a cocktail. I like to have a nice drink and Mm. it's really depressing. A lot of the non-alcoholic cocktails out there and drinks are very sweet, lots of sugar in them, not particularly adult or, or nice. So I think for us, the, for me personally, the CBD bitters and the seltzers gave us this opportunity to create functional, non-alcoholic drinks that were a little bit more interesting, innovative, and also just 
nicer tasting and not overly sweet or mm. could be what you like. That's yeah. the thing about the bitters that's nice. You can put it into whatever drink you like. It's more like yeah. a seasoning. That's fascinating. It's true that I saw on your website that your team is curating beautiful non-alcoholic cocktails. Yes. And I must say, some of the recipes, they're very inspiring and they seem light and flavorful. And yeah, I'm excited to try. I'll let you know how I get on. Definitely do it. I bought my dad the bitters recently and he now puts it in his like juices in the morning and then he puts it in his gin and tonics in the evening. So yeah, it it goes with everything. (laughs) That's hilarious. Now, I saw a news the other day, just as I was pulling together the questions for our interview, and that's a really big deal. So Otto is no longer a single brand, but it's a group. You've just acquired UK-based Southwest Brands. Yes. Yeah. Tell us all about that. Yeah, it's a really exciting time. I think we always wanted to have more brands within the group. So we always wanted to have new and interesting brands. And for us, it's it's basically about being able to reach more consumers at different life stages. And we recognize that the Oto journey is it isn't for everyone, right? And we are this kind of more luxury and premium positioning. So it's really interesting to be able to bring other brands that can service and help other issues that the consumers have. I think for me personally, it was really interesting to to bring on brands that had this real female focus, real female wellness focus in food. And yeah, I'm really excited to be able to bring these forwards. Rebecca Hall, who's the founder of Southwest Brands, is a powerhouse in herself. And it's really great to work with other women in the industry because it is hard to get funding as a female founder. And I very much feel that female wellness is a is an area that has been very much underserviced and needs to have a moment and is starting to have a moment and i think that should be led by women and by female run brands because yeah. it's been run by men for far too long oh yeah i agree now one of the things that i want to make clear is you're not doing this alone no. And as you hinted at before, your husband has been your partner, your sidekick all along in, in your journey with Otto. And he's one of the co-founders of the yes. brand. So I'd love to hear from you. What is it like to work with your life partner, with the father of your children? How do you balance the personal and the professional? I'm not going to lie. It is extremely challenging <laughs> on every level, but it's also, it's also incredibly supportive as well because you, you both know what you're going through and what you've got on. And that really helps. But I think the thing that I found myself on this journey is that you get to know yourself more and they get to know you more. 
and there's elements of you that they get to see that you perhaps don't want them to see. So it's very, everything's out on the table. I think the good thing for James and I is that he has an unbelievable amount of experience and has the most incredible superpowers and they are very different to mine. And we try and recognize each other's strengths and weaknesses and really try and stay in our focus lanes. And we divide the business up. So I focus much more on product, marketing, the creative and design side of things. And he focuses much more on actually running the business and the corporate, all that kind of side that goes with it. He manages our shareholders and that relation and all of those relationships. So it is challenging. We have to remind ourselves not to start up a conversation in bed about some ridiculous thing that's happened at work that we're definitely not going to solve at 11 o'clock at night when we're lying in bed. But it does happen. We do have to try and separate We're at home now. Let's try and be at home and not be at work. But yeah, it's a beautiful and terrible thing is probably the truth. (laughs) I admire that a lot. And it looks like you're doing a beautiful job together. And this sort of the creation of this group focus on female founders who want to advance wellness for women. It sounds really exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, James is really funnily, James is the one that is brilliant at these kind of podcasts and is an incredible front man and (laughs) is such a good public speaker. So I'm very lucky. That's wonderful. So my interest in this podcast is to talk about business and creativity, understand better how people have come through their life journey and how they creatively found their path through life. I read somewhere that you are, like me, obsessed with journals and notebooks. Yes. And I'd love for you to explain to us what it means to you and why did you include a journal in your sleep drop package? Yes. So I came to journaling fairly recently. I've always been absolutely obsessed with gratitude and trying to keep a gratitude diary. And before my boys go to sleep in the evening, I always ask them what they're grateful for, what their favorite part of the day is. So I came to journaling through through the gratitude journals and starting to write it down. And I think for me, the bit that was impactful was the actually writing it down because I have so many voices in my head. And I think that often those voices sadly can be quite negative and we often listen to those voices more than we should do. And what I found is by actually writing it down and seeing it in black and white, I could look at it and say, do I really feel that way about myself? Would I really say those things to a friend or to somebody else? Do I really not like myself this much? And I think that it was that actual connection between thinking something and actually writing it down, seeing it in black and white that actually helped me shift the way I think about myself and I think about other things in my life to try and not catastrophize them, not to be too negative and actually really focus more on the things I'm grateful for and the positive elements, which I think helps push everything forwards. 
when you were sharing this about the multiple voices, I wanted to tell you there's a quite a famous coach who works in the startup world called Jerry Colonna. He actually has a great book and I will send you a copy because it's oh, fabulous. And in, in somewhere in his book, he mentioned how he journaled with several colored pens. Love that. The, the different because voices. Because sometimes you realize that you just sound mad on the page or it's literally different voices <laughs> yes. saying different things. And I always thought one of the interesting ways that we can appreciate our lives, there's also a fascinating lady called Jill Bolte-Taylor who was very famous for her original TED talk called My Stroke of Insight. She's a neuroanatomist from Harvard and she had a huge stroke around age 40 that flooded the left part of her brain. And it took her years to get back. First of all, it's incredible that she recovered, but she also wrote this book. Oh, what's it called? Oh, it's so good. Full Brain Living. When she explains that in her theory, there's four characters in the brain, number one, two, three, and four. Wow. (laughs) And she explains the different characteristics and who they are. And now I know both the thing about the, you can journal with different colors and... I can definitely see the different characters. Number one is alpha, super efficient, would run you over if you get in the way kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) I will get this done. (laughs) Number two is a bit miserable. It's the child that's saying, why isn't like this person liking me? And number three is like super playful. (laughs) Super creative. Anyway, so it's a really interesting thing to, to check out. I love that. I love that. We do all have these different personalities in us and it is really important to recognize when they're helping us and when they're not helping us. <laughs> yeah, because it's suddenly you realize that if you're at a boardroom table, if you bring number one or number three, you're going to have very different conversations at the table. Definitely. It's quite fun. But so why did you use this and and gift your clients with a journal with the sleep drops? Yes, this was for actually two reasons. One reason was that I do try and write when I wake up in the night because I often find that I have interesting ideas during the night. Because I've been doing the gratitude diaries and I'd found it something really helpful, we were thinking about doing something along those lines where people could have a journal and they could write their own gratitude moments or whatever it would be. But then there was also this other element of what if you have like the best idea of your life during the night and you can't remember it in the morning? So there was this element of, oh, is there something going on in the night? And are we conscious of how much we're waking up in the night? Because people wake up several times and mostly don't ever realize. But other times you're waking up and then you're engaging your brain and you're starting to have these kind of, I guess, either negative thoughts or thoughts about what you should be doing, which stop you sleeping. And then you start getting annoyed with yourself for not sleeping. So you go back in this kind of circle of doom. And sometimes it's super useful to just write, must call so-and-so and then lie back down in bed and actually go to sleep because you've got that physically out of your head and put it down on paper. So I didn't want to dictate to people what they should use the book for. I wanted to leave it really, really loose. I had this idea that at some point in the future, people would also document their dreams and we would make a book about people's Oto dreams, which I thought could be quite lovely. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. So yes, it was very loose, but definitely around that idea. Oh, that's so interesting. Now, that said, I'm really interested in your life as a creative and as a designer, because you went from 
physically creating fabrics and having that in your own words, you talked about how you couldn't think of the design without thinking of the making of the material itself. How does that creativity live in your life today with the brand that you're building and now the new brands that you're going to be supporting going forward? Yeah, I think I'm really lucky to have that as a real creative output that I can work on. I think that one of the main ways that it comes through is in the products. I'm always looking at ways of making the products more innovative and more creative. You know, we're always looking at what new ingredients are coming up and are interesting and how we could create experiences within that. And I think probably that culminates in the spa experiences that we put together because we're actually just working on a, they're all a bit top secret at the moment, but (laughs) we have some incredible treatments coming up later this year and next year, which have allowed me to really throw my brain open and say, how could we do this completely differently? How could we really give people even more of an interesting experience and really shift something from for them and have some moment of inspiration. And for that, I think I'm really lucky. I have my head of spa who's also incredibly holistic and creative herself. But I think the poor woman, she used to work for Richard Branson. So I am nothing in comparison to the wild creativeness of his brain. But certainly I have these ideas and she says to me, Okay, Gemma. Yeah. Okay. We'll see how we can make that work. Yep. Okay. (laughs) And somehow we find a way and it is always a middle ground. But I think if you don't question it and you don't think how you might like to do something differently or better, then you're never going to know if there's something more interesting or exciting out there Mm. that you could do. So for me, that is definitely an area of creativity that I'm very lucky to be able to do that. And now to be able to do it across multiple brands is a brilliant thing and help people at the same time. That sounds very fulfilling. Yeah, I think it is. (laughs) I've been that I've been that person who has crazy ideas. And I've also been the person helping someone having crazy ideas. So I feel <laughs> you have to have amazing people around you, right? Like it's so important to have those people. Absolutely. So what is next for CBD? What do you see for Otto in the future? So for Otto, for us, I think, you know, what CBD has given me is a real insight into incredible natural ingredients that have been around for centuries and how the kind of science and clinical trials have now supported those ingredients to be able to bring them out into the world and do that through Oto, which obviously is these beautiful experiences and these lovely products. And I think for us, that's just the beginning. There are so many incredible ingredients out there. I think we're looking at a whole world of exciting opportunities going forwards. And that will span across the spa and also the products, the whole range, the whole wellness side of things. So I think it's, I think for Oto, it is 
beyond CBD. We have just started doing our CBD treatments now in the US. So we are definitely going global and we're very excited to see how how our treatments are, are going in the US. They're really starting to get traction. So that's been incredibly exciting. So I hope global domination is there at some point. (laughs) And just helping more people (laughs) is important. And so you understand that the podcast being at the crossroads between business and mindfulness always takes me to this place where I like to ask my guests to share what are their practices, what rituals, whether physical practice, spiritual, anything. What helps you get grounded and feel like you're your best self? And it can be as simple and as practical as the number of hours someone sleeps, right? Mm -hmm. And for other people, it's something completely different. Yeah. So what's yours? Yeah, I love this question. And I think it's the hardest one to answer honestly. I think it's one of the things that I struggle with more than anything. And people often say to me, how can you run a wellness business and have two small children and work all these hours and find any kind of balance in your life or talk to other people about finding balance in their life when, you know, clearly it's really hard to find any time for yourself. And they're right. Like it is really hard to find that space for yourself. But I think that's what makes me so passionate about the space that I work in, because it is something that I find difficult too. And I think the, what where I've had the most success is trying to absolutely incorporate it into things that I do every day that I have to do. For example, I do breath work, but I do it in the shower because that's the moment that I get and I know my kids aren't going to come in and I'm guaranteed to have at least five to 10 minutes of silence. And I find breath work very grounding. I like the fact that you can do it anywhere and that you can really take control of that. So I I like to try and do that in the shower. God, I'll do it when I'm cleaning my teeth if I have to. It's literally just any moment that I can find. I... I love to take the time in the morning when I'm getting ready and putting on my own skincare to really use that as a little bit of a ritual for myself. So when I put my serum on in the morning, our serum has blue tansy in it and it smells absolutely beautiful. I like to do a little inhalation and think of a little mantra for the day. I like to try and say that to myself. I was recently told by one of our sound experts that we work with that your own voice actually is the most calming vibration that you can find, which is why a lot of people like chanting and singing. I sing really badly, so no one wants to hear that. But even just saying things to myself and being able to arm or just give myself a minute while I rub my creams into my face and my 10 minutes that I've got before I'm trying to whack on some makeup and get to work, that is that is really important to me. I've always loved the mindfulness journaling and doing the gratitude. So I try and do one gratitude in the morning and one in the evening. Doesn't always happen, but I like to try. 
And I do the gratitude with my kids. I think that's really important. I really love hearing that from them. I love that feeling that they are thinking about that in their lives and trying to give them the tools to be able to ground themselves going forward. So it is important. I guess those are the main ones. I have just recently started yin yoga, which I'm now obsessed with. I think because of the stillness of it, because uh-huh. I can never find time to be still. <laughs> sure. That's, it's excellent. Everybody comes to the right practice that they need, I think. Yeah. I need that. I think that the hecticness and lots of ideas and busyness and just being able to, I find meditation is probably one step too far for me. So for me, the, that kind of yin yoga and just being in that position and holding, holding that physically helps clear my mind mentally as well. If you ever want to try meditation with me, I'll send you some links. I would love that. I would love that. I need to. I you know, know it's free. I'll just send you a couple of links if you want to Thank give it a you. try. Yeah, I'd love that. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate, I think we all try to find what gives us that little, I want to say oomph, but sometimes the rituals are for priming for the day. Yes, And I really like that you do your breath work in the shower. That's very inspiring. (laughs) And others are to elevate us at different times. Anyway, it's just, I really appreciate you answering the question. That's right. It's about finding that right kind of vibration or mode or where you need to get into at that time to Yeah, and it can change. It does change, right? Now, I've taken a lot of your time. We're about to go to the closing question. My quick fire round. What is your favorite word? And I'd like you to think of a word that you could theoretically tattoo on yourself or live with for a while. I love these questions. So funny. I thought about this a lot and I kept coming up with very silly words and all sorts of things like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And then I came back to the meaning of the question and thought about it. And I think that the word I would go with is inspire. I like the idea of being inspired and trying to inspire. By the way, inspire in French, inspirer means also inhale, just so you know. I knew there was a reason why I liked that (laughs) word so much. (laughs) What does connection mean to you? I think obviously real connection is very hard to find. And I guess it's a balance of trust, respect, and maybe even love in some way, but certainly that trust and respect to really hold that connection with somebody. Now, what song best represents you? This is the hardest question ever. I completely <laughs> understand. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I was going to steal my father-in-law's favorite song for this one, which is Kenny Rogers, The Gambler because it's got that incredible line in it. You've got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And I just think that's the best life advice (laughs) ever. And I want to keep saying that to myself over and over again, because I have no idea what song represents me. I feel like if I said the songs that I love, they would make me sound super tragic, like Hold On by Wilson Phillips. I'm just like holding on in there. (laughs) 
every day. <laughs> no, I know. That's why it's difficult because we're asking not what's your favorite song. No. But what song best represents you. But sometimes what I like about asking these questions is it plants a seed for my guest and it'll come to you later on. Absolutely. If you, if you, if somehow you have a download in six months. <laughs> I know, I'll suddenly be like, it's got to be this. I know, I did think maybe it was a little bit ironic by Alanis Morissette because I feel like that sums up my generation and it is crazy how much of life is unbelievably ironic. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great one. (laughs) What is a secret superpower that you have? So I I guess, so I actually asked my team this, what they thought it was. (laughs) And my uh, my uh, my marketing director Anna said it's definitely that you're dyslexic and you think of things completely differently from everyone else. And she can say that to me because she's dyslexic too, so she understands that. So I don't know. Maybe it's that. I think that my superpower is probably that I always ask why and why can it not be better and why does it need to be done that way and why. And I think that's a very childlike way of thinking about things that probably frustrates people a lot, but it does push for perfection or for something different. And I think that sometimes you need that. Otherwise, it just ends up being the same or just as good. Yeah, I would think so. Why is a very powerful question? Very. Also, don't take no for an answer, which which can be useful at some point. (laughs) Definitely useful. (laughs) what is a favorite book that you can share so I haven't really been doing much reading recently sadly with all the things going on the book that I most recently read that I love is The Lion Inside which is a children's book which I read to my children (laughs) and it's a beautiful story around how everybody has a lion and a mouse inside them so it's a story between a mouse and a lion and it's very inspiring for children and that's about as far as my level of reading goes at the moment which is a shame (laughs) I really need to get back into it. (laughs) It does sound like a gorgeous story. It is lovely. And now imagining that you can step into a future version of yourself, what most important advice do you think that future you could come and give present state you? Probably just to relax a little bit and that it's going to be okay and to trust your instincts. I think I I think everyone should trust their own instincts. It's amazing how often they're totally right and amazing how much we don't always listen to them. Yeah, I think I'd probably want to calm myself down a little bit and say, yeah, it's going to work out and just trust your gut. (laughs) Beautiful. And now to my last question, what brings you happiness? What brings me happiness? Hearing my kids laugh, with being spending time with my family, hot showers, Oh, so many things, being creative, creating something new, caring for people and people being feeling like they're being cared for and feeling like I've helped them. And that helps me so many things. Walking in nature, breathing in country field, very different from the city girl that desperately wanted to stay in London forever. But yeah, I think friends, family. That's the main thing. 
Gemma, thank you so much. It was such a joy to speak to you today. Oh, thank you. I am very inspired myself listening to how you built the brand that is Otto. And I can't wait to see what else happens in the future. I'm very curious. I can't wait. (laughs) Thank you so much. There's lots to look forward to. (laughs) Yes. So if people want to get in touch, where can they find out more about you and find out more about Otto? Definitely. So to find out more, go to otowellbeing.com. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for your time. And I hope that we'll have a chance to meet in person one of these days. That would be lovely. And I wish you all the very best. Thank you so much. Until next time. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you. So, friends and listeners, thanks again for joining me today. If you'd like to hear more, you can subscribe to the show on the platform of your choice. If you'd like to connect, you can get in touch with me at Anvi on Twitter, Anne Mulethaler on LinkedIn, or on Instagram at underscore out of the clouds, where I also share daily musings about mindfulness. You can also find all of the episodes of the podcast and much more on my website, anvmilitale.com. If you don't know how to spell it, it's also going to be in the show notes. If you would like to get regular news directly delivered to your inbox, I invite you to sign up to my monthly newsletter. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Out of the Clouds. I hope that you will join me again next time. And until then, be well, be safe, and take care.